Welcome to Scent 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew, we are about to set a record. I'm pretty sure you can verify this or not with me. Okay. What's, what are we talking about? Have we ever had three people from the same family on the show? Never. Wait a minute. Wait, Wait. a minute. It might be a tie. Who? Linda? Was Linda Hoffman on? I don't remember Linda Hoffman. Oh my goodness. Okay, then it could be a record because Linda, Mark, and Neil, right? Yes. But li- you beat Linda. Aaron, formerly Martin, now Mark Brad, is the third Martin on Cent 350. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yes, Aaron is here. <laughs> what a family, huh? She has revealed to me that one of her secret goals in life is to get more listeners than her mom. Which oh. will never happen. Yeah, I don't would, know. Would be, <laughs> I don't know that it's possible. The only person who has more listeners, I think, is Rocky. Oh, Rocky Craig. Rocky Craig. Yeah. Who is I don't been, even think it tops it, does it? Uh, Maybe. Rocky's at the top. Uh, is he? Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, but he's been out a lot longer. Yeah, that's true. See, yeah. that's the thing. Oh, so because we just have to to get more listeners we have to be careful because this lasts not forever like the word of god but a long time a podcast yes. <laughs> it's out there a long time but you're right your mom got a head start so you could chase after her anybody know what episode kathy martin was you can look it up yeah it, yeah. Was, it was wonderful it was a good one quite frankly for me i'm into sneaky cunning diabolical evangelism yeah, yeah you are and so what i do is i send People, I send podcast episodes to friend of mine, friends of mine that are far from God, and most times I send your moms. Oh, yes. And they go, I want to meet her. Whoa, that's great. So just those ripples of the Kathy Martin life keep We call going. her Kathy Hallelujah Glory or Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the two. It all fits. She's always <laughs> happy. and. She pretty much, I think, claims that Giving birth to you is the greatest act of her life. You hear that, Vanessa and Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> we have not been on the show yet, by the way. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. You what know, a opportunity. I'm it, so excited. It, it, with a possible competition with my granddaughter, Faye. Oh, yes. Who prefers to be called Faye now. She's getting older. She's five. With a possible competition with her, you light up a room more than anybody I oh, know. Oh, yeah. thank you. It's the truth. True, Matt? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so let's just deep dive into the mind, heart, and soul let's of the American Brad. Yeah. Number one, I want to talk about work a little bit. Okay. Because besides being world famous, how many times have you sang the national anthem? I think I did 12 seasons. Okay, 12, 12 seasons with the San Diego Padres. Yep. We'll forget last year, but other than that. Right, and then day. with the San Diego Goals. Yeah. And I think that's it, other than like some random graduations, stuff like that. And Tyler, Tyler Sickmeyer, San Diego Sharks. I think you did them. No, I didn't do oh. them. I was scheduled, but I ended up getting sick. Oh, my I know. Goodness. Well, there's so, still a chance. They still is, are in yes. the league. There you yes. go. So besides that, you do other things for a living too, right? I do, yes. What do you do? I also am a respiratory therapist. I work at a hospital local here. Yeah? Yep. And what is your day-to-day work like? What does what a respiratory therapist do? Depending on where I'm scheduled, I'm usually in the ICU. And if I'm in the ICU, I'm dealing with very critically ill people on ventilators, so who need a machine to breathe for them. Usually that's when I come in and I help with the ventilator and we talk along with, with the doctors and maintain a good strategy, hopefully getting better to move towards that, getting off the ventilator. So you're helping people breathe, trying to save their life. Yeah, hopefully. And... and- <laughs> 
that seems to me that it has to be a little stressful. It has to it it can be, to absolutely, that. yeah. Especially when you see young people yeah. or even older and just families that grieve for their family members. Yeah. It could be a very low time in the day or like a dark time. It really just depends on the family. If the family is really um, okay with what's going on, which normally they're not, it's a hard place to be in. It's a hard season to for be in sure. for anybody. Yeah. I think that when you are able to just really look at the big picture and um, see that we're doing everything we can to help their loved one and hopefully that they'll get to the other side of better. And knowing you like I do, you want to help comfort them and help give them hope to the degree that you can. And you love Jesus and you have found all of that there. You get in trouble if you Tell people about Jesus when uh, their son's dying? Yes, we can. We're really not supposed to say anything about our personal beliefs. However, God has opened up so many doors. I work with wonderful people of all backgrounds, but there are times I will walk in a room and worship music's playing. And I know this is a safe space. Hmm. Yeah, I can speak with family like I would speak to my friends at church. Hmm. There was one time, and it was actually very recent, I had a young boy who was in a car accident, and it didn't look good at all. His family, I didn't really know if they were Christian, but I sensed something. Normally, things don't bother me because I'm always, you're just in work mode. You have to do your job, and you have to do it well, and you can't let it get to you. So I ended up, the next day, I, was, I worked a Saturday, I think it was 16 hours, and I ended up going to church the next day, and I just began to weep and cry and cry during worship over this young boy. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand why, because... This was just another patient. Hmm. And I don't want to sound callous, right. but sometimes that's how you have to look at it so it doesn't break you. Sure. Yeah. So I just didn't understand why, but I really felt like the Lord was saying, go talk to his parents and tell them that you've been praying for him. And I was like, yeah, right, Lord. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Doesn't that you sound know? like right out of the Bible? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, Lord. Yeah. Like Jonah and Pete. <laughs> and it's true. Like I was just there the day before, and I knew I was going back at 2 p.m., to go back to that same room and back to that same family. He was going to be my patient again. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I've been working at this hospital for 14 years. You can't ask me to jeopardize my career for one family. So you draw the boundaries for God. Exactly. Put him in his place. <laughs> yes. Let him know. Gotcha. Okay. But I knew that was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. So what I did was I went back and my heart's beating super fast. And I'm thinking, no, this is not the right time. And then finally it just came out. And I thought, oh my gosh, did that just <laughs> so come out of my mouth? That's so and rad. I had just said to the family, I just want you to know you've been on my heart. And I, all day at church today, I wept for your son. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that you love your son, but God loves him that much more. Wow. And I just thought, wait, what? <laughs> what did I just say? I, and then I almost wanted to say, I'm really sorry for saying that, but I didn't. <laughs> and I just said, I'm going to go. <laughs> And I'm going to walk out. Wow. And the mom came up to me later and said, you have no idea how much we needed to hear this Hallelujah. because we haven't been to church in about a year. And now we want to go back. Oh, praise oh, the Lord. And I thought, Good job. oh my gosh, Lord, that one you know, phrase, yeah. Yeah. because all they needed to hear was that God loved them and he knew what they were going through. And it's so important to be obedient. One of my favorite verses is, 
Aaron is his workmanship, created for good works in Christ, which he has prepared beforehand. If we just would have the confidence, and when you do it, then you have more confidence, right? right? You can then do you, it again. You don't blow God off right. and say you don't know what you're talking about, It's almost about, right? like God's in our future and waiting for us to get there. Yeah, yeah I can't <laughs> wait. I feel like I could like blow the walls down of Jericho. Let's yeah. just go marching. Yeah, but, that is so fulfilling. And it's so neat, too, because I think it really just let a release in that room. It wasn't so uptight and so dark it was almost like someone opened the curtains and yeah. mm. they had a smile again and and he ended up being okay oh thank so you so he, he's home and it, doing wonderful it'd be cool to meet him at footy like i know that. yeah the thing is god speaks through us when we allow him to right and the word of god doesn't return void mm. that was god speaking to them through an obedient Amen. daughter yeah and it's so easy to miss that opportunity yeah. and the way i got to feel like wow lord you use me yeah just even though i thought it was like you know i'm not going to do that and out it came but he used me mm-hmm. yeah but why did you pick me to do that why didn't you pick any other anybody else you know i got to be the one which yeah. is so cool yeah and i think too what it does is he knows you needed to see what he could do through your obedience for you because right. you got blessed by that right, right. you got yeah. blown away yeah. by that absolutely i just had it we just left church recording yeah. i think this is the first sunday recording we've done but for I, sure this close to a service yes yeah <laughs> There's a family at church that I really, truly love. The daughter was really working through a bunch of, like, seven brain tumors and really didn't look so good. And uh, this family came to my home group, and I was able to really minister to the dad. And so I just love this family. There's a connection. The daughter walked by me at church today, and I'm on the aisle, and I remember the dream I had last night about her dad. Now, I don't see these guys all the time and talk to these guys all the time. It's like I could have a dream about Matt every night. I seem like I see you every day now, Matt. <laughs> That's what it feels like, yeah. And they came up to me after church, and the dream that I had was that the father, who was not at church that day, and he wasn't at church because he was so frustrated. He was working on a project that was really hard, and he was so frustrated, and he didn't have any help. And so he didn't come to church. It's just like that, right? I don't know that, and I tell the mother and the daughter, I said, I had a dream last night about your dad. He was working on a project, and it was really hard, and he was really frustrated, and he couldn't get any help. And then they start crying and tell me the story that I didn't know, that it was exactly where he was at. And so the deal is, I said, listen, most of the time, if God's given you a dream, he's given you a dream for a reason. You tell your dad to call me. Oh, my. And the fact that, that's real cool that he used me to talk to them, but even more so the dad. Yeah. Because the dad's going, God loves him so much that he would give a dream to this dude to say, I'm there, that I understand. So we're going to get together. It's that same kind of thing, and it's so fresh because it just happened yeah. today. Mm. Let me change the conversation just a little bit. Okay. And thank you for sharing that because so many people are in hard places yeah. where they may think it's impossible to share the Lord. But on this podcast, so many times, God has shown, I'll give you a way. Yeah. We're, the, the children of God are everywhere, and He'll find a way to minister when we're obedient. 
you've been in the hospital for other reasons. Many. So for all of us <laughs> in this big Foothills family, we know the miracle yeah. of Aaron Martin. And I think that there's something there, because people listen to podcasts whenever, wherever, this is going to be around a long time. So I want you to talk about some of the adversity you've gone through and, and what that was like, how you felt, the reality of it, and uh, what you learned through it. So okay. give us the story. Where do I start? Oh my goodness. The big... I grew up basically in the hospital mm -hmm. and I was in and out all the time. So I knew what it was like to be a patient. And I think maybe that's why I chose healthcare because I knew what it was like to have a great nurse or great therapist or whatever. And I knew what it was like to not. So I wanted to always be the great and to be that one that helps because that's huge in healing. But I think when I was thinking back from what I remember, one of the biggest times in my life, and my mom probably touched on this, I'm sure she did, was when I was very sick and they really didn't think I was going to make it. One of the many times they didn't think I was going to make it. But this, I was about 10 years old and I had esophageal varices and they had, which are varicose veins in your esophagus, and they had burst. So my mom had asked me, I had been throwing up in the bathroom and it was all blood. And my mom had asked, did you drink juice? Did you drink something? And I was like, no, this is my, our doctor had warned us this was going to happen. And I said, no mom, it's time. It's happening. And so she, I remember she got on the phone with our pediatrician and he said, call 911. And she was like, no way I could drive faster than them. And she did. <laughs> she got me there so fast. And so I remember being in the ER and her saying, my, my daughter has esophageal varices. And I was 10 years old, but I was maybe like, I looked like a seven-year-old. And so they were like, yeah. And I said, I'm going to throw up. And so they hand me this little basin. And then <laughs> out starts projectile vomiting blood, just bright red blood. And um, so they handed me a huge thing. And they just rushed me back to the ICU. And I remember being put into the um, bedroom, and or not bedroom, but room. And they were pumping blood in. And as fast as they were pumping blood in, it was coming out. And um, I looked at my mom and I said, am I going to die? And she looked at me, and God had given her a vision as well um, before that. And she said, no, you're not. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to die. This isn't the end. I'm not going to die. They had flown in these specialists, and they did a, the first um, exploratory surgery on a child, which was me. And here I am. Now I'm 41 years old. That was the beginning. And then it got to where at um, 18, I needed a new kidney. I was sick, but I didn't feel like I was that sick. You'd never think you're that sick. And in between that, I was in the hospital a ton of times for infections or all these different things because I was diagnosed at birth with a very rare kidney disease that most medical books are actually on my history because I was the oldest living person with wow. this disease. I know. If for I'm not famous one way, reason. I will be famous another. No. And so I ended up having one kidney transplant and it was from my mom. So she, she'll she tell you she gave me life twice. And she did. That's beautiful. Yeah, she did. It lasted 13 years and I had a wonderful 13 years. I was, I, I believe I was 18 when I received it and I got to be a, a young adult and be yeah. healthy. And during this season that's so hard, people need to understand who don't know you, you're full of life. Oh, yeah. And through all of this, you're not dying, you're living. No, and I knew that life is so fragile and life can be taken away so fast. When I was sick, 
But as soon as I got better, you better believe I was back on the <laughs> run around and um, doing as much as I can, running half marathons, working at the Padres, working on my at my job and just living life. Yeah. And I, I've met so many wonderful people through throughout my life and people that have prayed all over the world. And then I entered into my late 20s and needed another kidney. This time, my body did not respond as well as we hoped. So they had said, you have to go on dialysis. And we wanted to avoid that as much as we could. And unfortunately, dialysis did the opposite. It did do its job, but you go three days a week, or I would go to a center three days a week. And as when I would finally feel better, it would be time to go back. So I never felt good. And so they kept pushing my transplant because my sister was a great match. Giving you life once. Who's giving me, she will have given <laughs> me life once. Yes. So she, she was ready, but my body wasn't. And the doctors just kept saying, we can't do it. And I have a wonderful nephrologist who will fight to tooth and nail for me. And he went to the board and said, you have to give her a kidney. And they said, no, you have to give her a chance. She already has somebody that's going to give her a kidney. They said, no, she's too sick. She's not going to make it. She's going to die on the table. And he said, what do I need to do to get her a kidney? Because by this time, I was so sick, and I was so sick of being sick mm -hmm. that, um, like I told you earlier, I had called Linda Hoffman, and I said, you have to tell my mom it's okay that I die because I don't want to do this anymore, and this is not a life I want to live. And Lord, what? are you calling me to do? Because this is not a life I ever dreamed about for myself. I thought it will just be another routine. Okay, get a new kidney and be back <laughs> on working in three months. And it wasn't. And it was a very hard journey, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I was really angry at the Lord. And I was angry that I was so sick. And I felt like I've done everything right. I've done everything you've asked. Why are you making me suffer? Mm. to the point where I don't even want to live anymore. But I I will because my mom just kept saying, and I love my mom. She's like my best friend. But she kept saying, you you have to. And I know that's, she didn't mean it like that, but at the same time, she meant it like mm -hmm. that. And Linda had said, it's okay if you want to give up. It's okay because you fought the good fight and it's okay if you want to give up. That's okay. But if you don't, you never know what the Lord's going to do. Okay, Linda. Jeez, <laughs> Why do you have to be all Why you full of wisdom so and stuff? And then we got the call that my doctor had called a liver specialist because I also have issues with my liver. And they were going to have him on standby just in case. Wow. And the board said, okay, we'll do a kidney transplant. We're coming up on 10 years of that kidney, and I probably have better kidney function than both of you guys. Probably. So, <laughs> and when. One really cool thing is I had this doctor who, she was my doctor throughout the transplant, and she is very much, did not believe in the Lord, did not believe in miracles, does not believe in anything like that. And I remember seeing her after my transplant because she knew how sick I was, how I, they had to call 911 multiple times when I was at dialysis because they thought I was having heart attacks and all these different things. <laughs> Seriously, what else could happen? And she, I was at a, like a, where I went and got looked at again. So a checkup, thank you. Oh my gosh, checkup. And she looked at me and she said, Erin, I've never met anybody like you. Mm. And I said, okay. And she said, you make me want to believe in miracles. <laughs> and I said, I'll take that as a good thing. And she was like, yeah, because I didn't want to give you this kidney. 
And in fact, I was one of them that said no. But look at you now. Look at you now. And look at me now. Because the Lord had other plans. Amen. And it has truly been, even just in this last 10 years, life has changed so much. So. Well, and what we were talking about before, and we have talked about before, for the people that are going through stuff like that, because there's different versions sure. of that yeah. trial, besides your mom and Linda Hoffman telling you you had to, <laughs> how did you hang on in, in, in really hard times? We have a community at Foothills that is outstanding. You're not going to get that everywhere. And there are times that I was on my deathbed, multiple times. And here comes Hank Husky with his guitar. Yeah. And the worship team, or just random people. Jim Alicardi. Jim Alicardi. And all these people who ask, hey, we're going to do worship in a room. Is that okay? Great. Don't answer, because we're still going to do it. <laughs> and they would do full-blown worship. And I am not kidding you, every single time that I was in the hospital, it was always, the Spirit of the Lord was always there. Because we oh, have God. amazing people who listen to the yeah. Lord and yes. listen to what they're supposed to do, and they do it. Yeah. Yep. And I think that gives hope for everybody. When you know other people are rooting for you, you want to get better. Yeah. <laughs> and when you know other people are praying for you, you want to get better. And you want to do these things not only for yourself, but for others, because you know how good God is, and you know how great His mercies are, and how much He wants to bless others. So you want to see that happen, yeah, and you want yeah. to get better. Uh, fortunately, there was another guy I got to pray for this morning. This is so fresh. And, and I know how he's going through it, and we helped get him off the street and get him into a place for a little while. And he finally came to church. I didn't make that a requirement of our help. And he said, I'm fighting so hard. And I don't want to wake up in the morning. And I just want to give up. And I said, well, there's a couple of things. Number one, that's the enemy who wants to destroy your life, your Steel. hope, your future. That's yeah. right. So you're like listening to that and agreeing to that. But there's another part to it because God has something for you. Yeah. When I first met him, he was in a home, homeless encampment. And uh, he said, I was crying out to the Lord, send somebody. And I just looked him in the eye and said, he sent me. Yeah, mm -hmm. here I'm I am, here. Lord. Yeah. I'm here. So there's something for you. But the other part of it is, I see this in your future. This is what I see. And that is, when you come through this, you're going to be able to help the next guy through. That's exactly what you're doing on this podcast. Yeah. Because the Lord took you through incredibly hard things. Come on. And you're helping give hope to those people who are going through it right now. And this is also for everybody who's listening, because if you're not going through the tragedy and the horror and all the hard things, yeah. you can be the Hank D. Mahusky or a simile of that being the worship dude and being the person that walks through that with yeah. other people. Amen. Everybody's included in this podcast, right? Yeah. Part of that hope is you had question marks. You had question marks of, am I going to live? You also had question marks of, am I going to get married? So what happened with that? Being, I don't want to say that I was always sick, but I was always known as the sick neighbor, or the sick girl. <gasps> Neil and Bryce would always be so kind because i was sick but they they were wonderful and everybody was always just ma made sure they would be taking care of me i was always taken care of which i love but there was a time where as i got older after my second transplant i just thought okay lord like i'm healthy 
and I'm a woman and I want to be married and that's the desire of my heart and you said you would give me the desire of my heart so I'm in my 30s why am I not married I think I'm fun everybody thinks you're yeah. fun so I remember laying on my mom's uh, facial table which most women do and crying I thank God forgot about me I think he forgot that I want to be a mom and I want to be a wife and I think that's just not in the cards for me. And he just wants me to be single and go through these ups and downs of my health. And I don't know. At 36, here comes my husband, <laughs> who I didn't know as my husband at the time. But he is not only the most amazing man, but he's everything I prayed for. And everything I think my parents prayed for, too. Yeah. So we just celebrated five years of being married. Is it been five years? Yeah. And he celebrated by, he's bringing you 278 pounds of elk? I don't know how many, something, <laughs> a lot of meat he's hunting right now. Is that um, your love language? Gifts. Meat? Yeah, okay. gifts and feed the family, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, you know, and then there's that, of course, am I going to be able to have a baby? My doctors always said, no, you won't. Just... Flat out, you will never be able to have a baby. And then one doctor said, I think you'll be able to have a baby. And he actually called me later and said, I don't know why I told you that, but I shouldn't have. But I don't know why I told you that. So I said, okay, this was years ago. I remember this season. Yes, I really do. And I thought, I'm not even married. I'm not thinking about having a baby, but good to know. Yeah. So after I had talked to my husband, then it was my boyfriend at the time. He had to know, I don't know if I can have my own kids. I don't know if I can carry my own kids. And he was like, that's okay. We figure it out. And so that's when I, one of the reasons I knew. But then we decided to do IVF and to a surrogate because that was the safest way for us. And it's a 50-50 chance. You don't know if it's going to take. And we had done IVF and we didn't get anything. Nothing. No embryos, no eggs, no nothing. And I knew it. God doesn't want me to be a mom. What <laughs> back to the me? massage table. Yeah, back, yeah. <laughs> Facial. I don't know what's going on. And then we had a surrogate lined up and God had shut that door. I told you, Mike, what's going to happen? Why can't we have our own baby? Maybe we should just adopt. And God had already planted a seed in someone 10 years prior and said, you're going to be a surrogate, but I'm not going to tell you when until it's time. Well, I didn't know that part of the story. I know the person, yeah. but I didn't know that happened. So we did IVF again. And they said, we're going to give you the big guns because your body's not responding. We're going to give you the big guns. So we ended up getting three embryos, one boy and two girls. We had them genetically tested. And here comes Erica Steckler. Yo. Wow. <laughs> she says, God told me I'm supposed to be your surrogate. Come he told on, me 10 really? years ago that I was going to be a surrogate, but I didn't know for who. <laughs> I have gone Mind to your future you. and I can't wait for you to get there. Yep. <laughs> so this was 10 years ago that God had planted a seed in her. and But the beauty of it is that I grew up with her husband. Yeah. We have known each other since birth. But God had to work on Evan to be okay with the whole process. That's carrying yeah. somebody else's yeah. kid. It's the most beautiful gift, but that's a lot yeah. to yeah. ask. Oh, heck yeah. And she did, and we now have a very rambunctious mm, pirate. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> sometimes you said he's a bad pirate. Oh, yeah. He could be a mean <laughs> pirate sometimes, but we're working on that because sharing is caring. 
And I we have him. listening ears. I see him running around the church and he's oh, on fire. Yes, he yeah, loves absolutely. worship and he loves stories, but he loves pirates the most. If he could be a worship leading pirate, I'm okay with it. I think we're into that. Yeah. I think we like that yeah. idea. So yeah, so that's that is my strike in a nutshell. But yeah. through it all. In the waiting, in the is there gonna be another day? There has been one constant, and that was that the Lord was near. I didn't have to even look. He was there. Mm -hmm. He carried me through the hardest times, but he also held my hand through the best times. And having somebody carry your baby is hard. And it was stressful for me, just it wasn't, I didn't get to experience it, but what a beautiful story that I have a beautiful son who's healthy and my body's whole. I have a husband that I couldn't even thank God enough for, who's everything I hoped for and prayed for. And I'm healthy, and I'm here, and God's good. Matt, with today in this conversation, I, there's been so many different powerful messages and hard stories that people have shared. But I just feel that this right now, this is a living word. Yeah. This is a word where somebody is listening right now, and this word will change things for Hallelujah. them in the situation Hallelujah. where they're at. Amen. I really I think that's true. And, and what I want you to do now is I want you to pray for that person that's listening that needs to hear that story that you just told. Absolutely. Okay. Lord, so we just ask you to come. We thank you that you have shown again and again that you are here and that you are near. And that no matter what we do, no matter how far we go or what circumstances we're in, you're always there to guide us, to lift us up, and to even hold us at times. So I ask that um, if there is somebody out there who needs to hear the message of your love and your grace and your healing, that they would be open and that they would hear your words and just feel your love. I thank you for the opportunity to get to share just a bit of my testimony because God, it is all about you and we do this for you and we want to advance your kingdom. So we thank you for just what you're going to do through the stories that are on every podcast that they produce and put out. Lord, we just thank you that you are um, near and that you are here right now as we speak and as people listen. So thank you for everything that you've done for us. We love you. Amen. Amen. Amen.